You're listening to the One Room with a View show with Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to the One Room with a View show with myself, Christopher Preston, and the Michael Bay of the podcast world. It's Mr. Dan Orton. How are you, Dan? Is justify that <laughs> oh we <Immediately>. will <laughs> we will the next hour will justify all i need this is the the second of our I'll just summer put my dynamite away <laughs> <laughs> okay and the woman's ass if you could as well dan it's just not needed at this stage oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> thank you sally L- later sally yeah. thank you sally anyway this is the second of our summer Poor podcast girl. isn't it we're looking at blockbusters today we promised we are, it yes. in the x-men and uh, yes. this is us delivering blockbusters and we have with us guests once more of course it wouldn't be a summer special without the guests Dan. So not. if Megan Fox and Shia LaBeouf can uh, introduce themselves, <laughs> not even a chance. Okay, so no, we've got. We we've should got, point out that we've got. We've actually got the boss in tonight. Well, this this podcast is a bit like an Ofsted inspection for us, really, isn't it? Because we've actually got the editor of One Room with a View dot com, Mr. David Brake. He's himself. already been furiously Good. scribbling notes. With what can only be described yeah. as the Report Old cards. Testament of film notes there. Uh, actually, he can take housekeeping for us because uh, I'm sick. I am the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and obviously, Mr. Callum Baker, who people re- will remember from yeah. our, our barnstorming X Men so, special. Yeah, a quick introduction for the two of them, if you'd speak clearly for the mics so we know your voices. Hello, it's me. I'm, I'm David. I'm the editor, I guess. Yes, we guess too. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Callum again. And you, you aren't the editor, I'm, are you? I'm not you're, the you're a special friend. I will one day. I'm planning to. I mean, um, <laughs> You know, I, uh, the Joe Biden <coughs> one room with yes, a view. Uh, it's, it's not going to be bloody at all. It's <laughs> not a bloody coup. No, definitely not. Talking of bloody coups, Dan, should we mm. start? Yes, let's. Okay. Some blockbusters good. That's the jingle to signify the good mm. blockbusters, Dan. And jingles, really. Yeah, it sounds an awful lot like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely nothing like That's... anything you may have heard before. Right, okay, just. For a minute there, we haven't done one for a while. <laughs> but confused. let's keep on task. This is yes. for we're going to look at blockbusters, as we said. But this is what we believe makes good blockbusters, chaps. Yeah, mm. mm-hmm. yeah totally. What makes them work, and what makes them a success? A what success. makes them what they are? You know, bust blocks. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the, the blocks they busted. I think before Absolutely. we bust anything else, we should define what a blockbuster actually is, or at least what we're going to be running with for this podcast. What do people? What we, I'm going to throw it out there. What are we looking at as blockbusters per se? Dan, I mean Dave, check your notes. <laughs> no, you must have written something down. Turns page. <laughs> I I think a blockbuster is like it's the ultimate version of like a big sort of Hollywood movie. It's got over the top sort of expenditure on like big big name actors, big CGI, big storylines. I think it's like these sort of like. The polar opposite of any sort of small indie film. Yeah. That is what. Imagine the polar opposite, and then you have a blockbuster. <laughs> Under the Skin, directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> Slightly if different. Only. <laughs> well, I, I agree. I was going to say, in terms of blockbuster, I think it's the definition is, is scope. Like, when you think of these blockbuster films, you think of cities being taped, you know, brought oh, to their yeah. knees, huge amount of CGI, you know, the very biggest actors that we know. I think that's what makes a blockbuster. Definitely. Because it was originally a theatrical term, wasn't it? It was a, a, a theatrical term that came from if, if a, um, a theatre production was a huge financial success, they would call it a blockbuster, yeah. which is why then that kind of translated to things like Gone with the Wind and, um, and then 
has now been embraced by yeah. what we know, I think, after kind of Spielberg hit. It's so weird to think of, like, because now, obviously, that was, like, blockbuster success. The term blockbuster means just very big success. Yeah. It's like Transformers and Gone with the Wind are now in the same genre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what I mean, a world we live in. Because, <laughs> of course, like, now it just, you know, it doesn't even refer to necessarily it has to be a success, like Green Lantern is a blockbuster simply because it was called a blockbuster by the studio and it had all of the money pumped into it. Like yeah. It literally means, as Dave said earlier, just big spending, nothing else. Huge it, expenditure. It, it, you can make zero dollars, but <laughs> it'll still be a blockbuster. And we're definitely going to be speaking in the second half, we should say to the listener, we will come to what is a bad blockbuster yes, and what well, constitutes we'll a bad blockbuster. We'll touch on the bad blockbuster, blockbusters, but Callum's right, of course. Yeah, the, There is so much money pumped into these things. Yeah. With mm. little regard for... Whether there's an audience <laughs> or, not, or anything, not. anyone, if there's any interest. I mean, or just the need. I just think, know. It, you know, sometimes when you think of these films, you think, is there a need yes, for this? Especially now, uh, we've, in recent years, have we reached sort of saturation point with, you know, with, with, with I, I think all regard for any sort of thinking has gone out the window. And it's just <laughs> like, right, here's, here's three billion dollars make another Transformers. Absolutely. Make, make, get another DC character yeah. out there mm. quickly, for the love of God, have you seen what Marvel are doing? Yeah, exactly, yeah, and yeah. I think that's why kind of, you know, Cole Drogo is now being roped in to play Aquaman, which is just <laughs> if, genius. If we needed a summary of the future of blockbusters... <laughs> <is> literally. <laughs> I think I've done it very That's quite a parable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Usopp. <laughs> but, um, Jason Momoa is Aquaman. <laughs> I, and you know, what, what should bring in a billion dollars? <laughs> of course, Conan the Barbarian yeah. did so yeah. well. It I, lies culture. <laughs> 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 I just think that the, the blockbuster, it, it, it has become, and this isn't even a recent thing, it is its own genre. I think Callum said that then, and it has these kind of subgenres, like the superhero kind of factories that we have now are like the subgenre of the blockbuster kind of juggernauts. Yes. And, and, and I do think there is that kind of um, mimicry where you see something, as soon as it starts doing well, we live in that culture of photocopying things. Mm. So as we said, I think Marvel is definitely going to be one of the biggest examples we can see. They touched upon this, you know, something that just did so well in Iron Man and then built to this huge event that was the Avengers and now we're instantly looking at replies from Sony in the Spider-Man universe coming about uh, kind of in a, in a bigger way the DC one where they're trying to launch all of their their back catalogue and it is all because of what Marvel did and bringing I think the yeah. Avengers into like the what is it like yes. the third most successful this, film well yeah and, now, and, they, and it's now turned into where it's got phases you know I mean you can't it's so unbelievable to like if you were telling the 1980s that we will have phases of blockbuster films yeah. yes. from one company not like just like and planned out times. until 2028 20, something like that mm -hmm. you know um, yeah. Well, we have uh, films for the first time, seemingly, particularly with the superhero films. And I know that we will we'll, we'll want to, after our X-Men special, we want to kind of open the canvas up a bit. But films now seem to seemingly have showrunners, like television. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, like where David Chase and kind of Vince Gilligan, they ran The Sopranos and Breaking Bad and things like that. Now you have, like, Kevin Feige, who's actually running the Marvelverse, and yet accept every film that's kind of bringing in crazy, crazy amounts of money. Yeah. You know, yeah. silly money. It's like oh, yeah. almost like the directors are guests. Almost they have their own like spin on it. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, it's like Kevin Feige, who's got the idea of what where we're going with this series, mm. and it's 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 just such an interesting sort of like transformation of the blockbusters. Like, and you can say the same with the Transformers series. You know, like sort of Spielberg is sort of behind it as well mm. with Michael Bay. But at the end of the day, it's still like some sort of overarching kind of mm. narrative going on. 
And they're still trying the same thing with Tintin, aren't they? I mean, Spielberg's kind of, you know, it's obviously been on the back burner a little bit because Spielberg's had other things to do, Peter Jackson's done other things, but that's still happening. That is still going to be a big kind of collaborative series where they yeah. roll it out with different directors, and it's just... Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. What well, we've sort of... We've, we've sort of yeah, diverged into the, uh, I guess, development and evolution of the blockbuster. Yeah. Shall we come back to what it is, the, these component parts of these films that... What um, makes them great? What, 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 why are people spending so much money going to them? And why, are, why are these good ones seeing a good return? I, I think that it comes down to maybe, again, the definition of blockbuster, although perhaps something that we haven't discussed just yet, is that by their very nature, the appeal of blockbusters have to be so large that you're taking in so many different demographics. And so I think that if you look at something that you might see like coming out of sun, like for example, one one of the best films I've seen this year is a film called Boyhood, which is coming out the week of release of this podcast, and it's such a great and well-made film. But and even though it's kind of like what people would say is like an event in filmy circles. It, it, I suppose the story boils down to you're watching someone grow up and yeah. is Joe Average going to turn around and go, right, I'm going to be spending nine quid on yeah. seeing this film. Bang about, I can watch a, you know, a huge American truck kick yeah. the crap out of a dinosaur for, for the same money. <laughs> Voiced by John Goodman. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who smokes missiles, you know. <laughs> that film's got 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but yeah, it's just like, when it comes down to it, are, are people just going to kind of wind down and watch something like that? Or are they going to go to like Richard Linklater and say, actually, you know, you've been filming this over 12 years. Yeah. This is this you is a real a collaborative effort. I really want to do yeah. the Cuban Missile Crisis joke, but I... <laughs> <laughs> There is one there in there. Is, there's something there about. <laughs> I just can't find there it. Is. But yeah. Um, but I mean, when I because I worked in the cinema for most of my teenage years. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you all enjoy the cinema, don't you? <laughs> yes, <I> mean, David. <laughs> but I mean, for years, like whenever I remember, like when the first Star Trek came out, when J.J. Abrams would bring it all out, mm. it's this massive event, and I think that's what like. Whereas Boyhood is like an event for sort of more film fans, yeah, like people who like live brief film. Yeah. Like these films are like the you know, you only go to cinema once or twice a year and you mainly go within the summer blockbuster season. And so like you have to go to the film that you've seen the trailer for in like January, yeah. the poster and the famous star and then they do the talk show routine. And it's like it builds up and builds up and it's it's like part and parcel of the scale of the film, but the way that the company treats it as well, insofar as like this is like the next best thing, you know, yeah. like this is like mm. close to God, you yeah. see this film. It's interesting you mentioned the big star in your list there of things in the build up. We've seen obviously recently with Edge of Tomorrow mm. that a big star doesn't necessarily equate equate to blockbuster mm, success yes. now. I mean transcendence as well. Yeah. Yeah. The you know, we're 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 in the, the golden mm. Golden Age, uh, a big almost. name yeah. would would draw your crowd. And Tom Cruise was a guarantee. And Tom Cruise was a was a guarantee. Yeah. Of, I think of Tom Cruise. Hit, I'm not sure about this fact actually because I don't have the notes that Dave has in front of me. But I, isn't isn't Tom Cruise like one of the big? He's the biggest box office success of all time, mm. or something, or in terms of how many years well, yeah, in a row? One of. I mean, yeah, yeah it, you've got him and Will Smith somewhere. Yeah. Mm. And, and now, to a lesser extent. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is becoming yeah. incredibly do you, do you know bankable. The, do you know the, in terms of the, the Rock is how much he costs versus box office. The, 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 Rock, yeah. the Rock's nickname in Hollywood now is just purely franchise Viagra, because <laughs> as soon as a franchise starts going down a yeah. little, they bring him in and it, 
you know. Well, I remember when yeah, Jeremy... We'll get the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get so the, you didn't yeah, need the diagram. The diagram. <laughs> oh, oh there start. it is. Yeah, there, there's Doing the those diagram. gestures there, Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, cause Journey to the Centre of the Earth came out, the remake, with Brendan Fraser. Mm. I love Brendan Fraser. Yeah. And it performed okay, yeah. about 140, 50 million. And then all of a sudden... say 140 quid then. Yeah, 140 quid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, cover Brendan Fraser's wage. Um, bus home. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, Brendan. And then, like, when the second one came out, just chucking a bit of Michael Caine, obviously, obviously, and a bit of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, <laughs> 300 million. Voila. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, I think Forbes said he was the most successful because he, he grossed last year. 1.2 billion on wow. his own. Wow, wow. And I know that a lot of that came from Fast and Furious, but, like... 1.2 billion, and one of those films was G.I. Joe 2. Yeah. You know, like... That was a sequel we all needed. <laughs> that was something I certainly needed in my life, G.I. Joe 2. But go, going back to uh, The Edge of Tomorrow... You'll have to lend me the DVD. Yeah, I've, I've never seen <laughs> it. Uh, I, just, I just buy them to burn. <laughs> it's cheaper than ETF Energy. Uh, but yeah, going back to The Edge of Tomorrow, which we saw together, yes, didn't we, yes, Dan? We did, and we yeah. hugely enjoyed it. And it, seemed, it does seem that, although not loads and loads of people have seen it, everyone yeah. who, who has seen it has really enjoyed yeah. it. But going back to what I said earlier about how we've seemed to have reached peak blockbuster mm. and, and there's this saturation of blockbusters on the market now there isn't no, you mentioned a blockbuster season i think the, the season's lines are being blurred yeah. mm. and now there is so there is no longer one big tentpole movie yeah, everyone no. seems so many tentpoles well look at um, 2015 the amount of franchises i know that lots of things have changed around now like batman v superman Dawn of Justice. I'm hoping that's the right title. I think it is. I hope it's the wrong title. <laughs> yeah, that's coming out. And it was originally. They wanted was to go for be... the subtle approach. <laughs> it was going to be them. It was going to be the Avengers. It was all of them competing. Whereas before, even in like kind of our childhood, so not long, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, you'd go and there'd just be one kind of mm. big summer film. You go, right, I'll go and see that. It's going to be brilliant. It'll be an event. Whereas yeah. now it's kind of like you don't even need to see. Or you, uh, some people can't even physically see everything because there's so much coming out. Mm. Uh, you know, this year alone, We've had uh, what will it be? Uh, two uh, Marvel films, and then plus a Spider-Man film. Yeah, yeah. You've got a t- yeah. Transformers There's out at the moment. The Hunger Games will be out. In Hunger November. Games will be out. You've got Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So Dawn of the Planet sequel. of the Apes is coming. Yeah. yeah. And 2015 is going to be even worse. And yeah. all of these <laughs> things point to. I mean, we don't forget we are coming to a point. I know this guy, and I'm, forgive us for keep going back to superhero films, but we are coming to the point now where two huge superhero franchises are going literally toe to toe. In May 2016, you have Captain mm. America 3 from the Marvel side and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice yes. from the Warner Bros. DC side. Mm. Uh, they are it's literally in direct competition. Batman you just didn't Superman see that. Batman kind of versus thing. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What happened last year was Iron Man 3 and Star Trek Into Darkness on the same day, and they did. They came out the same day, did they? Yeah, mm. same day in America, apparently. And um, they did pretty much exactly the same box office, I think. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Oh, hold on, I've got my list somewhere. Oh no, I didn't write the numbers. <laughs> Not to worry. <laughs> They'll all be edited out yeah. on podcasts yeah. anyway. We'll come back to the calculator later on. <laughs> so what do we think? Are, are blockbusters still the same as they once were? Can we still define these films, these huge kind of, as we said, juggernaut films, can they still be defined as they were when Spielberg brought Jaws out? To some extent, but I think there's obviously been an evolution. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I've noticed when kind of just looking into things, researching for this, basically, the, yeah. the, the largest thing I've noticed is that blockbusters now tend to do less and less well with each passing year if they're not based on, a, you know, not even just an existing property. It has to be like, you know, compare Green Lantern, the success thereof, to Batman, who is Batman, and yeah. Superman, mm-hmm. who is Superman. 
and uh, even the Iron Man's, you know, they've been getting steadily more successful with each one because Iron Man's been becoming an actual thing. But then you compare that to, you know, they're still trying blockbusters like <laughs> 47 Ronin. Um, <laughs> which we will get to, we out. promise. Oh, um, and other films like that, which just aren't really based on anything that people really know and so are absolutely failing when, you know, 15 years ago they might not have been the biggest film of the year, but they might have made a bit more of their budgets mm. back. Well, 15 years well. ago, Keanu Reeves heading up a film mm. like 47 yes. Ronin might have done a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Especially Certainly. coming off the back of The Matrix and things like that. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. The Matrix is a good example. How well would that do nowadays if they were putting the same sort of um, yes. budget ratio into it, if you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Today. So is Avatar an exception to that rule, then? In the sense that that wasn't an existing... Yes. Uh, Avatar, I think, I is... Did, it, wasn't an, it wasn't a comic book. No. It, I don't, I, I don't think gravity. it comes down to... Uh, Avatar's a very interesting one, because I don't think anyone can still account... For just how much money it made, was it something like two point eight billion, yeah, something like something, that? I know it was getting Titanic. on for three. Like it wasn't kind of like it just no. skipped over two yeah, billion. Yeah, yeah. It was like right, we can do three. <laughs> and when the countless remake, uh, countless re, uh, you know, releases and things, yeah. it probably as Titanic oh, yeah. skipped over two. I'm sure Avatar will skip over three at some point. But I think that it does come down to franchise, and the franchise is James Cameron. Like mm-hmm. you know, Titanic made that colossal amount of money—a Titanic amount of money—and uh, <laughs> hey. you've, you've, you've got that. And I think that's where, because Avatar was a was a good film. Yeah, I don't think it was a, good... was a masterpiece no. of a film. I st- I still think it t- chimes into this idea of like to go back. It's like event cinema. Like, yeah. The word of mouth around it, because that, that it was, was crazy. One, one of my mm-hmm. last years in cinema was working the Avatar, uh, working Avatar's showing, and literally, we had where I used to work, we had a 700 seater cinema, one of the biggest in the countries, and literally we released it because it was three hours long, so you can't fit that many screenings in a day, and we only had one screen with 3D because this was like the pioneer when yeah. 3D was. It was like, like 2009. Was say, that was another element yeah. that helped it out, wasn't it? Yeah, because this big. You know, this is the film that was an amazing. Yeah, it was the technology of Avatar. Yeah, 3D was coming in. We only had one screen that could handle it because there was only because there's only so many screens that had had the the 35 mil removed and digital put in. Yeah, and honestly, like it was properly like Star Wars 77 all over again. There were queues round the block. I mean, like it was about we worked out that someone actually had to drive, actually had to get in a car and drive round to the end of our queue because it was so big wow. like when you actually have to drive someone to drive to the end of your queue because it was about a mile yeah. long and like it was just incredible was like opening night for that yeah opening night and, wow. and the thing was though and whereas a lot of blockbusters they have the huge first week and they drop off about 40-50% yeah, <laughs> but like Avatar was sold out every single night for the first three weeks that's incredible like every single night like every not even sorry not even every single night every single day mm. we had four showings a day 700 people you know, times seven, paying at least 11 quid a pot. And it was just again and again and again and again. And you honestly, we'd have to put out, like, we'd have to, like, close the doors at, like, sort of two. Yeah. Because that was it. Get out. Like, <laughs> Get out. Honestly, you were there, man. It's, it's so bad because it's genuinely, it's one of those things that you can't, like, you've dealt with busy, like, I dealt with the last Harry Potter and all that. Mm. But, like, that was busy, but it wasn't avatar busy. And I yeah. think that's where, like, the big blockbusters come in where they can still like draw like everyone like old people young people and I think that's where like superheroes are so successful in the sense that as you said like they have no demographic as it were they just have the everyone from every walk of life they appeal to everything and I think that's what I'd say what a modern blockbuster has to achieve like you have to be like you have to be all things to all people 
You have to be funny, moving, you know, good story. You have to, like, you have to play into the good narrative part. You have to play into the, the wow effect. And you have to have some... I still think you, a big name does help, mm. even though, like, Edge of Tomorrow didn't do that well. Yeah. But I think as a film, like you said, like in the last one, it, that you actually yeah. enjoyed it a lot more. Loved it. And I've never liked Cruise. No. I'm a big see, Tom I don't Cruise understand. fan. I, I love Cruise. Really like, big fan. See, I think he's an absolute nutter, but he's a great <laughs> he's great at giving it everything. Like, yeah. Because one of my one of my sort of like absolute guilty pleasures slash favourite films is Mission Impossible Four. Yeah. Because it's just so like so goes for it, like in terms of scale and scope and like great acting and like it's just like a properly enjoyable edgy seat hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I think that I think a lot of blockbusters now, when we get onto the like the bad side, is that they miss like these simple things. Like they try to be everyone to everything, but then they forget what even just a good movie is. Yeah. And I think that's what you'll find when we talk about what is a good blockbuster and like what is a bad one that they miss out like the key parts, the heart and soul of those yeah. films. Yeah. Going back to quickly what um, Callum said about kind of like things ingrained into culture and how well they do now. You've got to remember as well with blockbusters compared to kind of indie flicks and things like that, you've got things like Comic-Con and, and they are such good kind of almost supermarkets for these kind of films. And like particularly with those kind of properties, you know, like your Hunger Games and your Star Wars and your Batmans mm. and Marvel stuff, all of that can be put under one roof in like San Diego Comic-Con in, in July. And even though, even people who can't attend there, like I know none of us are going there, but no. we're going to be, via the internet, you're like hooked into it. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, we, if you go back to see, I think 2010's reveal of all the Avengers coming together, yeah. that's a popular culture moment that you can't put a price on. And I still yeah. think it's things like that but it was just interesting the reason I thought of that actually was because Avatar's reception at uh, Comic-Con all of the information there in 2009 was very lukewarm really? and so it's interesting to know that that went on and caught light in that way and I do think a lot of it as you said Dave comes yes. down to word especially when Comic-Con seems to be such a litmus test yeah well, absolutely when yeah. something will kick off in a big way yeah. it's like, anyway. it was like Thor 2 last year Lo all they did was bring on Tom Hiddleston on stage as Loki mm. you know say my name <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden now Thor 2 is like the most talked about film I love, I love that though that they brought out um, Tom Hiddleston in full character got all the garb on and he came out and did it and he was trounced by one symbol that's one all Warner Bros had to do bring out one symbol but I, literally that links into the whole idea of like that it starts off with you have to get your audience yeah. like you have like literally, if one symbol can get you like ten million bums on seats, yeah, that that's power. But that's what blockbusters like. Like as uh, people who kind of feed off those, we as audiences, we're magpies, aren't we? We see something shiny and we go and see it. That's why we've got those like the slutty trailers now that show you everything before you've gone to see the film because we're like magpies like that. And that's why I still think the Transformers do so well. Because it does come down to the fact that, don't worry about the three hour length, don't worry about all of that. It comes down to the fact you're going to be watching very well made, good looking robots kicking the crap out of very well made, good looking robots. I mean, I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I, take a week's holiday and you might get through it. Yeah, it's a long film, long film. It doesn't even have a conclusion, does it? No. Oh, God, no. Just no. A, it's just no. a three-hour setup for the next film. And that's the thing is, when it comes down to blockbusters, what I think drive people mad now is that you don't... And going back to what Dave said then about the heart and soul, is that surely one of the great things about a story is the story has an end. But whereas when these blockbusters are now being built into kind of cinematic buildings, mm. you, you'll, you'll never get to the end of it. You know, you can never go back. Like, Jaws is great because people disregard all the sequels, and you see Jaws and it's one film and that's it. Um, and the, you know the original Star Wars trilogy was just one story. Yeah. Luke finds out stuff, goes on his little journey, becomes a Jedi, done. 
Whereas with these Marvel films and with everything else, it's just that's why I mean people love The Dark Knight because it was one complete story, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think like Empire Strikes Back, like it strikes into that. Like mm. you can watch Empire Strikes Back, you know, just you don't need too much knowledge, but you could just simply, you know, if an unknown could pretty much catch up quite quickly about what's going on. Yeah. So I feel that like it's what modern blockbusters to an extent don't get the idea that this is a story self-contained within itself but also has a bigger part as part of everything. Mm. So I think that's what I would say makes a good blockbuster insofar as that it can exist on its own and that you don't have to have like, oh, you should have seen you know, Transformers 9 to get this part in Transformers 15. Otherwise, oh, God, exactly. loser. Yeah. You know. Because <laughs> it was weird. Like, it's like, not that Twilight's a blockbuster, but I watched Twilight... Breaking he's Dawn breaking your rules, Dan. One. He's breaking your rules on the podcast. He comes on. I did. He starts talking about Twilight. Bloody well, hell. Good. He does commission these. <laughs> I do commission these. So he giveth, but he can take it. I think we'll let him it's off. James yeah. Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> See me cackling in the corner of a cigar. But I remember watching it, and there's parts in it. And like, if you don't haven't seen the past three, it's like, don't care. Yeah. It's like the filmmakers are like, well, keep up. And it's like, <laughs> but isn't that how, that's how the Harry Potter films work as well, isn't it? Mm. You kind of have... There is occasionally like this exclusive a club, club moment. You, know, you have to like. Well, yeah, and even you then, have they, to read the books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, mm. it's not even just the films. It is also that's what's so bizarre about the, the Harry Potter insane. films. Yeah. yeah, so strange that you actually have had to read. And and the films aren't even embarrassed about that. They're no, like, no, hey, no. you need to have read these bloody books. But again, they're yeah. going to make money, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And if they if they don't get it, then I mean, I'm glad no people going out people going out to buy the books. Exactly. I suppose you're right. Yeah, as a kind of just GPRS through the films. Uh, so what else do we need to discuss? We've discussed the kind of what blockbusters mean to us. Uh, like, when you think of film, you know, we're, we're all film buffs in, in here, unashamedly. But I'll, when you think of films, do you think of blockbusters? Uh, it, it might sound like a strange thing, but when, like, when I think of like, films that kind of got me into wanting to watch more films and getting into cinema and things, they aren't, like, well, very rarely are they kind of small little indie kind of classics and things like that. They are usually, like, if I think back to my childhoods, they are the, the, the Spielberg stuff, the Star Wars, mm. the Indiana Joneses. They're all that kind of mm. thing. Like, is that the same no, for you? I, I, well, you know, I'm a populist at heart. Mm. And, yeah, I'd say a lot of my favourite films are, are probably uh, definable as blockbusters. Yeah. And, and there's, you mentioned there Star Wars and Indiana Jones. These are films that, when you're a ten-year-old kid or even younger, you, you are shown. Yeah. And they're you know, still incredibly popular from, you know, from your parents' generation, so you're shown them. And you know, I think that, I mean, yeah, you get that introduction to film that way, and that's what films should... Yeah. Those sort of escapism. And blockbusters do escapism incredibly well. Mm. And I think um, that's why they do so well. And like, in that sort of genre, I think... like. A lot of people meet the market when they're very young. They go with their families and stuff like that. And they're, you know, like I've, uh, I think, the f- like one of the f- few films I've seen. They've all been sort of major blockbusters because that's what my mum was aware of. Yeah. You know, and like she's not a big film buff, but that's what my mum had seen on telly. Of so course. then we would go, and then that's where like I got introduced to sort of Indiana Jones and Jaws and all that stuff. And it's just like. Your that. mum took you to see Jaws. Well, no, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, like introduced to that. Was that your more... version of the naughty step? <laughs> Get him in Being there. trapped in yeah, a room with Jaws. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you're right. And you got to think. Land, he's fine. <laughs> you're on land, he's fine. It's like, man. Just sat there on the sofa, flailing. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to think about like Saturday morning pictures and things like that. They're always, you know, these mm. huge blockbustery kind yeah. of films. 
Transformers yeah. is what three hour toy advert because yeah. you go there and you've got to think that I'm, I remember you used to go and see the film and you go to McDonald's as a treat get yeah. the Happy Meal you get, you'd the, get toy. the toy that was yes. you know, associated yeah. with the film of such I find it yeah. interesting like if we because we are we you know have all got Indiana Jones style and all that generation because that's what our parents were us and like in future generations I wonder like will we just go back to the good well, like widely recognised as good blockbusters yeah from like 70s, 80s, 90s, or like, what do we take from like, do we just go with the superheroes of today and take them forward? It'd be interesting to see like, in about 10 years time, yeah. what is a good blockbuster anymore? Is it just brainless entertainment or is it just, there's some things that are just classics that, yeah. that isn't really... I think there will, will definitely be ones that te- uh, stand the test of time. Mm. I think the uh, Avengers is definitely going to be one for us. I think that's a, you know, a real... Well, c- but come the time we have kids, they'll still be making the bloody things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Jr. We're going to be, what, 36, 37 when oh, that exactly. last one comes out? Yeah. That's quite scary, isn't it? That's and that doesn't, I mean, that 2028 20, date is just what they've got planned so far. I don't think yeah. that's yeah. a, that's yeah. a that's stopping like, thing. It's like saying your own death mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they get to 2028 and they've made 900 million and go... Well, that's it then. See you <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah. Well, we've reached we, the end we, of our life. That's it. <laughs> yeah, 2028 20, you know, isn't like the end yeah, game. Kevin Feige yeah. is like, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. Are yeah. we ever going to see a time... Like, do you think that the block, the blockbuster is this kind of thing that constantly evolves? Is it like, as I said then, because... Or, or will it eat itself eventually? Or will it eat itself, yeah. Mm. Is it going to be that thing of, like, if I ate myself, would I double in size or would mm. I halve in size? Is that what's going to happen to the blockbuster? Because, as you said, we are... I mean, I think we are at saturation point now. Like, it does feel like that, particularly mm. with the superhero um, yeah. thing. I think you're beginning to touch on a, a wider issue within the film industry as a whole as yeah. well. Mm. In, yeah. in raising that point. And, yeah, you're probably... We are about... We are at a tipping point. And... Well, I- and Oh, well, well, Callum disagrees. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was just going to suggest that, um, uh, you know, historically it's sort of, it's happened before, you know, this oh, is notoriously right. oh, yeah. what led mm. up to the, you know, the first modern blockbusters, like The Godfather is a bit of a precedent in the early 70s, because yeah. like Hollywood had collapsed um, overspending and all of this, but I actually reckon they're getting really savvy on this. Like, there are still the stupid ones, which we're going to be coming to, <laughs> where the studios just somehow, for some reason, thought, OK, 200 million, that's reasonable for something that we can't guarantee people are going to see without tremendous reviews. Mm. It's just a really ridiculous <laughs> thing to bank on. How many but then you've on got... that? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But then you've got... Well, that's just, that that's just Ryan was? Reynolds' paycheck. Yeah. Oh, Here's the it. budget for the film. Yeah, just slide it underneath like a pile of papers. Just sign these to thank you. Yeah, just I just imagine to... like a Chief Wiggum character squirting jam all over it. Oh. <laughs> it just goes through... No, the, the, sorry, Lone Ranger budget was £20. <laughs> that was it. £20 yes. English pounds. Yes, you can't sorry, tell. You were making a point there. Though. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but like, those are increasingly just becoming like exceptions to the rule, which is kind of like, I, I genuinely reckon, again, Marvel has just cornered the market on this in always being like 150 mil, 200 for maybe the bigger things, like the certainties Iron Man 3 mm. and Avengers were the only ones that have um, gone over 200 so far from mm. Marvel. Um, and... Yeah, and just reaping the profits from that ever so slightly smaller budget, and I reckon that can probably sustain itself for a lot longer than we might give it credit for. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Absolutely. Um, are we? But are we doomed to endless just superhero films as blockbusters? Mm. Like, I don't think so. I think it's going to be can one we of have those. Have Indiana Jones back? No, no, please. <laughs> please <don't. laughs> a good, a good. You know, someone's going to listen Indiana to Jones-esque this. Indiana Jones esque film. Sorry. Yeah, the, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's 
it's fads and it's phases and i think the superhero thing is is the thing that we know at the moment but it, 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 i think the way it as we know it, it was two, uh, it's from 2008. Is it 2008? Because that was Iron Man came out and The Iron Dark Man, Knight yeah. came mm. out then. Yeah, and that's what really summer. kicked all of this stuff off. And I think like we're, what will be a very interesting litmus test is Avengers 2 when it comes out next year. Mm. If it does the same kind of numbers, if, it, if it's that really... I think, you know, the crazy good reviews that the first one got, or are people sick of it? And has, you know... Because if they're building up to 2028... Mm. There's a, you know, there's a lot riding on it and there's always lots of money and lots of kind of worry with these things. But I just, I think, you know, our grandparents probably remember the Westerns and things like that. Then our parents probably remember like the Spielberg, the Star Wars, stuff like that. We've got the superheroes. Our kids will have something else. And I'm not saying that superhero films will cease to exist, no. but they'll just become like a background thing like everything else. Mm. And then it'll go on to the next one, whatever that might be. Right. What, what's Gen- next? Do you want to make any predictions? I think that might be a good closing <laughs> place. <laughs> Something like that. What is there any closing remarks? What do you reckon, Dan? Future of blockbusters? I'll get I'll get back to you in twenty twenty eight. Okay. <laughs> Faith in blockbusters is that is it still going? Are you pleased with blockbusters? I'm swayed by what Canham said. I think yeah, there is. I think there is life in, in the, the old, old dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will sustain themselves in this as long as they remain savvy about mm-hmm. it. I think it. And as I've said, I, you know, there's a lot to love about blockbusters. There are, yeah, yeah and, and when they are done well, when you've yeah. got your George, your Star Wars, your, your Avengers, mm. and, you know, yeah. I think if they get the even Titanic stuff. has its merits. Oh, it does. I like, I like Titanic. Titanic. I think, yeah, I think yeah. if yeah. You, yeah. Titanic, yeah. I like Titanic. 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 <laughs> I think that, that, you're sorry, talking no, about no. the disaster, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Titanic, <laughs> the movie. Sorry, Titanic, 1997, not 1912. And that, I mean, that's 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 the length of Transformers without all the robots. Yes, but I think like. All blockbusters are kind of like if they have. Sorry, I'm just imagining you, Titanic the ship being brought cannot. into Transformers Four Five or whatever into the character. What, it, it transforms. Oh my god, it's Titanic. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Loaded with iceberg. <laughs> oh god, yeah. With the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Stay cool. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Joel Schumacher's on the phone. <laughs> yeah, but uh, from the idiot that brought you Batman and Robin. Uh, I have faith in blockbusters. I think it's one of those things. It's always gonna that, yeah, because it always cinema will always have events, and mm. events usually translate to blockbusters. You know, your Avengers, your Dark Knights, your Jurassic Parks, everything like that. And that that's why I have complete faith that in ten years we could be doing exactly the same thing. I know we are, Dan. Yes, we'll just replay this old podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but remastered in Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> just go Avengers four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll all be holograms, hopefully. Um, Dave, you were going to make you were making a point. Well, there, I was right? saying like how I feel like blockbusters will always survive because like you always used to have Western blockbusters or like classic operatic blockbusters like sort of Gone with the Wind, and like now you've got I don't know, let's say just like the Avengers film. I think if you keep like the core foundation of what is a good film, and then you just add all the cherries on top, you know, with budget and actors and mm. money, then they're always going to survive because yeah. at the end of the day, they're just good films. And that, that's why I think that's what all the blockbusters we mentioned, like, as you said, Jaws and Avengers and everything else, the classics, they have all these good foundations. It's just they're so enjoyable because they tap into that blockbuster genre is why they are, like, the best of the best. Some blockbusters bad. Completely new original yes. jingle there, Dan. I had it commissioned, actually. <laughs> From Dave's pocket. <laughs> right, yeah, so. Worth yeah. it, <laughs> right, see you later, boys. Right. <laughs>
<laughs> Is that you back to work to pay that off? Yeah, see that, I'm back to work. Uh, that was 200 quid, wasn't it? <laughs> Two, 250, Dave. So starting as we mean to go on, this is bad blockbusters. <laughs> yeah, so this has got to the point in the show where we're going to talk about... I, I suppose we have to look at what, in general terms, constitutes a bad, block, uh, yes, bad blockbuster and in subjective terms. Also, um, let's savage a few yeah, specific let's, oh, films, shall we? <laughs> let's, let's kick the shit out of a few things as well. That's, uh, it's cathartic. cathartic Indeed. Like this I mean, time we watch these pieces of crap <laughs> so you have to stop us talking about it exactly so, let's keep it a general like we did in the first half i think that worked well we should so we've defined what blockbusters are we've def, we've we've kind of given our personal opinions of what good blockbusters are what are shining examples so what are the real dross that this this kind of genre itself kicks up? I, I mean these are the films that the money was still thrown at them yeah and and they seem to have all the right components the 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 sum was there, the, the, the calculation was all going well, just the, the solution, the end product, <laughs> somewhere along the line. <laughs> someone put a, 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 a five when they should have put a three. You know, to it, carry the one. to carry the one over. <laughs> oh, well, that uh, explains this then. You know, they didn't do the stuff in the brackets first. It all went terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we, we discussed off air a few examples. I think, we, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got Green Lantern. We've got 47 Ronin. Um, I believe the postman was mentioned <laughs> briefly. Yeah. That, and it will be mentioned briefly. That will be mentioned again. briefly. Um, and there are many more. So I suppose this half of the podcast, we want to look at what was it about these things? What, where did it go wrong? Yeah. Why did it go wrong? Um, and, and, and will studios continue to allow these, these mistakes to slip through the net? Or, 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 or if they can. We, if they can. I mean, we'll... And I, I'd like to, I'd like to also look as well to extend the conversation to perception of what is a black, a bad blockbuster, and and if and if kind of maybe like the critical knives can end up having an impact, uh, especially uh, with 2013's The Lone Ranger, which is something I really am desperate yeah, to talk that's about. That's a good example. Uh, who I believe Jerry Bruckheimer and Johnny Depp have said about this film that um, it's seen as a flop because even before the first audiences were seeing it, the critics had the knives out for it. And I think that is an interesting thing. And I think people could dismiss that as sour grapes. A lot of, well, if you've made a crap film, but you've put all your money into it, you are going to turn around and go, well, actually, it was someone else's fault. It's passing the buck, which is only human. Well, the thing is, I really love The Lone Ranger. But that's the point, is that having seen it, you, you do tend to side with those comments. I don't know yeah. about you two, if you've seen it and, and agree. I almost feel like I felt... I don't know if it if it actually affected me, but I felt more sympathy for it. I went in with a much more open mind than I would have if I'd have gone yeah. to the cinema. Yeah. Thank without, you, critics. <laughs> yeah, without well, you know, if I'd have gone in hearing everything, I'd, oh, this is shit. You know, I would have been expecting things to be mm. bad, and I would have forced bad thing. You know, my bad judgment. Yeah, upon yeah. Them. It wasn't a perfect film, but no. I mean, I I, I, I don't off the top of my head. Calvin, as you've got written down in your notes there, how much it made. Oh, I um, do, but you're going to have to stall for yeah. <laughs> half, <laughs> half a minute there. Please hold. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, 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 it made 260.5 million, which is 10 mil more than its budget. Okay. See, that's not bad. Not well, bad. that's not I, bad, but with that not. much money pumped into it, um, that means that that... Hell of a lot more. From what I understand, but I really still enjoyed it. I'm not saying it's a perfect film. I just I enjoyed it. It did what it's what Mm. I thought it was supposed to do. Yeah. From what I understand about um, the the uh, the economy of filmmaking is that a film has to make uh, double what its budget was in order for it to be a kind of like real success. Yeah. And I remember the conversation um, that was 
that was directed around this particular subject was when Man of Steel came out and people were kind of trying to see, like kind of gauge its success. And they were saying that because a lot of the film budget that you don't see is like in terms of marketing, and Man of Steel was like one of the biggest marketed films. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you do see it yeah, of every all time. And, uh, and so, yeah, so in order for it to be like a huge success, so maybe that, when you look at it and it's only made 10 million more than its budget, you can see that that's mm. in you know pretty dire straits. But The Lone Ranger is a good... It's, it's not an amazing film, but it's an enjoyable film. No, like, I actually watched it today in preparation for the podcast. <laughs> first time I've ever seen it. Mm. And, like, it, it, its middle is kind of middling, but it is bookended by two really great I mean, train who, who se- uh, sequences. Who can't say that they aren't a little bit buoyed up by the William Tell overture? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is, if anyone says that wasn't enjoyable, I mean, they're obviously dead inside. <laughs> they, they, they have to be. You have to have absolutely no kind of... Childhood memory, yeah, yeah. senses of adventure, and all those kind of films. Like when when that the the the, um, the latter train sequence, and as you say, you hear that kind of iconic music. You see um, Silver kind of rearing his Mm. front uh, hooves, the the lasso going. That's like what cinema's made of. It's like that is pure magic. That's just kind of fairy dust. And uh, and I thought it captured it so well. That when we're talking about star power, I think that maybe there was an overemphasis on. Johnny Depp's minstrel act, (laughs) 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 which does which does bring the film down somewhat, and uh, there are you know, and the script. He's a sixteenth. Cherokee sorry so he had to kind of produce his own BBC who do you think you are in order to justify (laughs) his casting in that film Um, but yeah no I, I, I think that I do think in that circumstance the critics were out for it but then you have films like Transformers that seem to be seemingly critic proof and Pirates of the Caribbean and mm. things like that mm. so I suppose we have to look at what the foundations of a, a bad blockbuster is before we start talking maybe about that I think with The Lone Ranger it's just it was a, it was a TV series that unless you're 80 or 90 that it wasn't really that relevant to you, <laughs> yeah. you know you're like, unless oh, you'd been it. killed in <laughs> World War One, you know and it's sort of like now they're doing it to the Transformers generation yeah. and it's like the same with John Carter you know the book came out about 100 years ago yeah. so the people who are going to be sticklers for details are dead <laughs> you know <laughs> They're, they're not that really. sounds like a <laughs> surefire way of success, if you ask me. You know, like, <laughs> stick to the source to a point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you are allowed to be a bit of liberty, and I think The Lone Ranger is a bit too long, and it is a bit too flabby in parts. But, I mean, like, the train sequences where Gore Verbinski made sure they bought brand new trains to mm. do it, which I'm sure didn't help the budget, yeah. you know. But it's like proper physical stunt It was buy one, get one free, though. That's, oh, why, that's why there's two sequences. Yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. What a deal. <laughs> yeah, British That right. man knows a deal when he sees one. <laughs> yeah. I just think it, it's it, that, like, it has the right balance of proper, you know, mm. sort of physical effects. Really, like, sort of, like you said, the whole William Tell overture kicking in. You're just like, that's really quite it's good. It's breathless, yeah. It's really good. I mean, we talk about, in the first half, about scope, and that's what, like, brings a blockbuster is, is its, you know, huge... Uh, the, the epicness of everything that's involved in a blockbuster. But I think what, what where, where blockbusters can tend to go wrong, and you just picked up on it then in Lone Ranger, and it's one or, it is the kind of original sin of the Transformers series, is length. And mm. like, do blockbusters have to be so huge in terms of how long they go on for? I think uh, um, Lone Ranger is getting on for two and a half hours, uh, Avatar's getting on for three hours, mm. uh, uh, Transformers, the most recent ones, getting on for three hours. These are like kind of massive films, in, just yeah. in terms of sheer r- running time. And is, c- can a blockbuster ever really 
merit. No, I that, mean most of the surviving of fans of the Lone Ranger actually died during watching the film. <laughs> they didn't make it. it was so. They didn't long. make it to the end. It was that yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. Talk about boyhood. <laughs> I thought I'd gone through that watching Transformers Four. It's remarkable that I think uh, the running time for Boyhood and Transformers Four are exact. It's almost to the minute exactly the same, mm. except you actually do feel like you've aged twelve years in uh, in Transformers Four. I just don't think I, I. I can't think of many films where you've got things like The Wolf of Wall Street which you know isn't blockbuster but you don't really feel those yes, things and even no. like Blue I mean, is the Warmest Colour and stuff like that the thing about lessons. Transformers is that it, it requires people with a its biggest audience are in those who have a short attention span yeah so mm. making it something that making it that long where mm. your attention span is going to be really pushed yeah and, and challenged is perhaps um, well not conducive to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, to success I think like the template for blockbusters doesn't really allow for three hour films as well like having seen the Age of Extinction in the last couple of weeks I was thinking that when you think of blockbusters you keep thinking of like the crescendo of like huge great you know we talked about the train uh, yeah. train sequences yeah. those kind of things and yet like Transformers 4 has so many you has keep thinking it's going to end and it doesn't and there's like one bit where you think oh this would be a really good ending and you think it's all going to happen and it's like a big fight in the city as they always are and then it goes on for another hour mm. and it's like bloody hell you know you have to commit to these films yeah. you're not just watching films you're committing to them but then at the same time going back to Dave's um, terrifying avatar experiences uh, back in the Viet Cong <laughs> all those years ago you weren't there man <laughs> yeah there is we'll do a documentary like Heart of Darkness about that one day yeah Dave's heart attack halfway through yeah. Um, but yeah like you, what did you say it was like it was like four screenings of avatar <coughs> per day yeah and that would seem to be you know not that many screenings at all for making a lot of money but because it's so few do you not think that that pushes people into seeing it as more of an event like it's a bit more uh, uh, rarefied you know like yeah. there, there's less of it to go around sort of thing despite the fact that it's, yeah, it makes it stand out even more I say that definitely yeah like is it's like you know you've got normal blockbusters that are two hours you know 100 minutes usually and you've got this beast which is about you know three hours long and you're just like oh there must be some there's some part of you that's like this must be special or this must have some reason your brain mu your brain must go you're like well, it's three hours so there must be something good yeah. an hour one hour two hours if three. I last the three hours <laughs> yeah. I get my money back yeah that's like what's happening here right? I get I get a reward <laughs> by lasting two hours <laughs> yeah. for that half it's almost like Michael Bay knows this like you you sit through two hours and I will give you your half hour big final battle it's like Crystal yeah. Maze challenge yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or just queuing up for the Now, Richard, Richard O'Brien needs to be in a Transformers <laughs> movie. <laughs> but it is funny. As Riff Raff, or indeed the Crystal Maze. When, when you talk about like big blockbusters Master. and when they're so, they're so good uh, in terms of managing time, like I watched uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes in preparation for Dawn of the Planet oh. of the Apes. That was a film that like sprints through an amazing amount of story in 90 minutes. Oh, like you're brilliant. in and out yes. in 90 like, minutes. Yeah. Literally at the beginning. Gets the like, job done. Well, when Caesar at the beginning, you know, we see him I mean, go from mind, baby to eight. Like, bear in mind end. that Caesar isn't even born in the beginning of that no. film. Like, his mum yeah. is the one who shot, and then you go and see yeah. Caesar is born. So Caesar not only is born, but kind of goes through what seeming like like kind of Darwinian evolution. Yeah. By yeah. the end, by the end, he's he's going. No, no! By the end, by the end, yeah. he's speaking and has uh, yeah. and has brought down the human race. Yeah. He's speaking to... more eloquently yeah. than any of the Transformer characters <laughs> by the end of it. But, in one, but it's just good pacing. It's yeah. just like it's. Literally, the simple things make for great blockbusters. Like mm. 
just really good pacing. Like, if would you want to sit through ninety yeah. minutes? But what's Disney? happened, I suppose, is that someone, some, so someone does a big explosion. So say, say Avengers does a big thirty-minute mm. finale with lots of big explosions and yeah. and funny, you know, characters cracking wise. Yeah. And your big, you know, everything going off. So the next film has to be even bigger, and the next one after that has to be mm. even bigger. They've always got to top what well, came one before. before. That was um, the problem with Transformers Two. Where it was the one where even Michael Bay said he went too far. Yeah, and that's quite something when Michael Bay says he went too far saying. to yeah. top himself. You know, like you said, words. Yeah. that's why. That's why. Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but I mean, like, oh God! That, that doesn't represent the views of OneRoomOfAView.com. Uh, editor David Brake. Your hand yeah. won't cut the sound. <laughs> <laughs> I can bloody well try. Yeah, or, or Callum's throat. It's <laughs> <laughs> the off switch. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the podcast will continue with three people. <laughs> oh, lovely. But yeah, sorry, let's no, go I back to say, like, normality. Like Transformers 2, like, there's a scene where John Turturro is on a pyramid underneath an old, like a Decepticon with bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's I'm that's they do like, that joke like, a lot. Like, that, it's that like, joke pop up in every film? Yeah, it's like, I'm underneath the giant scrotum. And it's like... Mm. No, that was the tagline it's of that like, film. That was beneath everyone involved. It's got bollocks. <laughs> but, it was just, yeah. but it was just sort of like... You know, you're sort of sitting there, like, you know, with your brain plugged in, you're just going, this is a bit shit. Like, this is a bit much. Like, I can take... I don't mind this, you know, unplugging my brain to watch giant robots beat the shit out of each other. But John Turturro on top of a pyramid, underneath an alien, like, scrotum. It's like... Yeah. That makes me want to revisit Transformers 2. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's an awful <laughs> film. Awful. <laughs> I, I, I tell you another thing that winds me up with blockbusters. When, when blockbusters go bad... Uh, is when you feel like you're being purposely manipulated into giving money. Like, mm. when it feels like that kind of, like, all they're trying to do is take money out of my pocket. Like, the Spider-Man reboot, talking oh. about... Um, and, and, and we'll talk about Green Lantern, because I know that there's a lot of points. But the, these films, seemingly, are just designed to take money mm. out of your pocket. There's no kind of uh, commitment to story. There's no real character development. I mean, the, unabashedly, the Simon, uh, the most recent... Uh, I think he said Simon films. There. Simon films. The, 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 the Simon reboot. The, the most recent <laughs> Spideys... We were going to say Seinfeld. <laughs> 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 I missed something. <laughs> the amazing <laughs> Seinfeld. I, I, I really want to defeat the rhino, but first I need to buy a pint of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson as Kramer. <laughs> 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 Megan Fox. As Elaine, that would be great. Oh, and John Goodman as George Costanza. Uh, but yeah. Make it happen, Hollywood. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'll be Andy Circus in Mocha. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Doing, the, doing the stop motion. Um, but getting back to it, the, the Spider-Man films, like, it, the first film is just the first uh, Sam Raimi film. Like, it basically does that. It just, yeah, it just goes... Oh, and there's that wonderful Raimi. moment where you're watching um, Martin Sheen trying his best not to say... Great power comes great. Yeah. Like he's got a thesaurus off camera. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's a synonym what's for a this? Synonym yeah. For responsibility great strength and uh, comes great ownership and, and of problems. You've got to do the things that you might not like. And, and, oh, you know, then now I know why you carry around that Webster's. <laughs> but uh, and, and talking about like taking money out of your pockets, I still think that. Well, they clearly, should... I had it on me when I was showing the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I still think that uh, if it had been directed by Michael mm. Bay, you would have been flogging my, uh, Uncle Ben's like ragu in it. Yeah. <laughs> I think and the blood was actually made out of like meatballs and <laughs> spaghetti sauce. But yeah, getting back to it, I think that's why also why people kind of turned against like the Lone Rangers and John Carter is it. It feels like they're just trying mm. to make franchises, mm. and it's like right, we yes. can kind of count and, on your money for the next. And consumers years. aren't that stupid. No, yes. no. Like uh, we're seeing, and I keep going back to the uh, Transformers Four, and this will be the last time I mention it, but seeing it in the IMAX and you see um, Stanley Tucci holding a specific set of um, uh, Dr. Dre headphones oh, and uh, they? the Beats ones yeah, yeah the Beats yeah. ones that's right yeah holding them up like oh, kind God. of like by these and you see Mark Wahlberg holding a, a Budweiser <laughs> So awkwardly, his wrist is almost <laughs> fractured, and you see that on IMAX, and you think, "Oh, you're just trying to take money now." It's, it, it's like mm. Amazing Spider-Man Two. The sole reason, and I think one of the Sony execs admitted it, is the reason they're doing it is that they keep hold of the license. Really? And yeah, that, I think and that's so. No yeah. way to make a movie that no, you, well, you that's make why a film. Fantastic Four is being. Well, it's been rebooted because otherwise they have to hand it back over. Otherwise, it'll go back to Marvel, and, and you can Marvel, kind of Marvel see Marvel have even more of a monopoly. Yeah, and but you can kind of almost see people like holding prayer meetings mm. to get Spidey and that into the Avengers yes. canon mm. and I would much as a film goer as a, as a, yeah, a, a dweeb that. I would rather see Marvel yeah. holding but that, you mentioned about franchises there and how yeah. people that conceive through these very transparent attempts to make franchises mm. uh, the Green Lantern for example yeah, uh, this is seems like a very discuss. obvious attempt to get out a few more of DC's mm. and start uh, the second League. chest and, yeah. and get let, Get forward to the Justice League, but also at the same time, you can you can use that defense as all you like. But the Green Lantern is also crap. Yeah, it's it a really bad film. film. It's just a bad film. It's, it's an awful film. Like really? that, that feels like that. That's an anomaly. It's a cultural <laughs> Even among bad of a film. Really, it's, everything about it is bad. Mm. Like acting is bad, directing is bad, and like effects are terrible. Yeah, for for a film that is kind of so reliant on CGI, and I know lots of blockbusters are becoming increasingly reliant. I mean, Ryan Reynolds sports a CGI mask in his no film. No one afford it. <laughs> isn't, the whole, isn't the whole suit? Yeah, point? the whole suit. <coughs> CGI. Whole suit he's not even got a costume. It's just he's probably wearing he's wearing a mocap suit. Or yeah, something yeah, yeah exactly. That's all he, that it just looks like a floating thing. head yeah. at some point. You know, you could put his body as he could be weighing two hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah, know, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Because it's just so, and there's no realism to it. Like they go to the whole planet, and there's a talking beak of Jeffrey Rush who turned up like two weeks before Along the film's release. Was it Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah, because they were actually hired. I remember Jeffrey Rush, and Michael Clark Duncan were hired eight weeks before. They the were, yeah, yeah, they were. Uh, you yeah. know, like a film been had had terrible production troubles all throughout, and it's been eighteen months, and then just like eight weeks, Jeffrey Rush, and Michael Clark Duncan turn up, and Jeffrey Rush has like the opening narration. Yeah. Uh, the, who had his, his job before? Yeah. <laughs> who did me. they get rid of? <laughs> Some film old. <laughs> uh, I remember we were actually doing the radio show back then, Dan, and one of the yeah. news features that we did uh, on one of the shows was about Green Lantern and that the, the uh, execs had seen it and they were like, this is so bad. Mm. We uh, And this, the only solution they came up with was not like a few edits or cut this down or that. It was to Release throw another anyway. seven or eight million dollars and like, kind of like, I'll oh, just put more special effects in yeah. it. And I just loved that. That it wasn't like the, the conversations back in the day of like, oh, this script isn't great. Or do you know what? Ryan Reynolds isn't quite working. Or whatever. Those kind yeah. of pre-production talks. It was, you know, three weeks before it came out, in, the, in that height of the blockbuster season, it's not good enough. So what we'll do is add a little more green <laughs> into mm. Green Lantern. It's just crazy thinking. Crazy thinking. Everyone knew it. Yeah. And that was the thing as well. With like Avatar, we were saying about Avatar had word of mouth. 
and yes, it had like people Green build up got to the it. wrong word of but mouth. like everyone knew it was bad mm, everyone yeah. was like it was like the bloody plague yeah. like everyone could see have you there, caught green lantern yeah everyone could see this was a problem film instead of the black plague <laughs> i mean uh, one good thing of it I, ryan reynolds Met his future wife. <laughs> yeah. His second wife. wife. His second. He married Scarlett Johansson. His future second then. wife. Yes. Did he not meet? He married Blake Lively. They are married. Well, now, yeah, they are married now. I think. But and they, they never they, speak of that film. Mr. and Mrs. Smith of uh, superhero movies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes. I do like the fact that Sinestro, Mark Strong, does look like David Niven. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah. Like he's got this really thin mustache, and it's just like a really sunburnt David Niven. Yeah. And that's. And, but the thing is, I shouldn't strike the best part of a film as just a funny ad, like. No, I, I, how, how much? Well, when that... you're yeah, when when Mark Strong doing a, a, a strange David Niven impression, <laughs> in, uh, well, an inadvertent David Niven impression yeah. is the best part of the film. Um, it's just like, it's... like it, it completely highlights like just the difference between what makes a good blockbuster a good blockbuster and what makes a bad one a bad one. It's like I mean, it came out a month and a half maybe before Rise of the Planet of the Apes, mm. which. Pretty much like Green Lantern, but not quite as uh, terribly. You know, I don't think any of us were expecting it. To anybody in the world was no expecting it to be good. good. And it was literally like late August, just like the the dreg slot. Like yeah. you know, oh everyone's on holiday, sort of thing. They're not going to watch it. And then of course that explodes. And it's like these these two movies based on kind of vaguely well known properties. But you know, Planet of the Apes that was kind of totally irrelevant by then. Mm. Nobody outside of the nerd world really knows Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, they both kind of heavily rely on um, sort of CG and even mocap and things like that. And it's just like one just too much money dives, and the other one you know mm. sensible budget just yeah soars. And now that it's 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 uh, excellent that you said that as well because like they really you could tell that Warner Bros and DC were bleeding for Green Lantern they to become something so like to hard. become an Iron Man or a Batman or something like that they were so then why bring in Ryan Reynolds true why I mean I mean Ryan Reynolds I I think well, people was can... anyone involved anyone in that production in, involved did they have any idea about Green Lantern mm. were they you get the impression that Kevin Feige knows his stuff yeah mm. yes. at least a little about Marvel mm. and all the comic book lore and, and you get the impression that a lot of the people they bring in to direct and write are all very, very enthusiastic about it. You feel like with the Green Lantern that it was again well, this very well, cynical Martin Campbell directed, wasn't yeah. it? Who did but like Casino Royale Casino and Ryan. Goldeneye did he do? Yeah, yeah, but the thing is he's a good director and yeah. they're all good actors and you know, I'm sure I don't know who wrote it, but yeah, I'm sure they had some talent. Yeah. But like the thing is it's just like there's so little reverence given to the source material. Yeah. It's just like, so he has a ring and it makes him green and he has a lantern. Okay, so I've got the idea. Yeah. Let's just go with that. And it's like, with Rise of Planet of the Apes, it does these tiny, tiny little nods throughout the film. You know, like, I think there's one part where James Frank is at a bar and then in the corner of the screen you can see a, a rocket ship leave to Mars. That's right. Yes. Mm. And it's like, mm. that they do that twice actually. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, they, report, they report the ship going missing as well. Yeah, and yeah. it's fantastic. Just like, that tiny little detail knows that you, I know that you care about this as a film fan. Yeah. But like, I watched it with my little sister and she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't know any of the apes films. Yeah. But she's like, and I want to explain to her after, she's like, oh, cool. But, it does, but that doesn't affect yeah. her enjoyment. She just enjoyed it as a good film. Yeah. Not to mention all the wonderful qu the quotes that are directly oh. lifted from... Yeah. Uh, Tom, I was about to say Draco Malfoy. Draco <laughs> Malfoy, yeah. Tom Felton it's been one of those days. gets the, the Charlton Heston line, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. um, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Get, yeah you get, damned... Get, get your uh, yeah, hands yeah. off me. And, you know, and it's a madhouse, a yeah. madhouse. But it's like, it's like good references. Like These are yeah. references that actually fit in, yeah. not just the fact that he has a Green Lantern mm. or the fact that maybe they lifted a certain number plate or something. Mm. It's like... 
that's okay to a point, but it's like it, it's just the overall affection you get from the yeah, film. Like Green, Green Lantern didn't have the fun factor either, it's, really. It's they tried isn't the climax, right. this whole awful cloud, which is literally just yeah. murdering innocent mm. people. And that but thing with that big Ed as well. well the oh, thing but is, he is has Peter Sarsgaard's Sarsgaard's character. No, no, has, it wasn't Peter Sarsgaard. Was it? Is, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that Peter Sarsgaard? Yeah, because really? Parallax is like the big cloud guy. Of course, guy, yeah, you're right. Peter yeah, Sarsgaard's. But I realised I watched it and I thought he doesn't have a good ending. Like he doesn't actually seek. You know, he's not truly, truly evil. You wouldn't class him as evil. And in the end, Parallax just kills him. He doesn't get any redemption, doesn't get any no. salvation. He doesn't, you know, he's controlled by an evil power, which is why he kills his dad. And we see this. And so you just watch it, and then he just dies. And it's like, that's not fair. Yeah. Like, it's not to mention that the, that, right, is it Hal Jordan, Ryan Reynolds' character, yeah. is like an incredibly unlikable mm. hero. I mean, has the alter ego, the pilot, he's, he's more or less a direct rip-off of, uh, like the film of Tony Stark, mm. yeah. Mm. That kind of like pompous, arrogant, like cracking wise kind of thing. That's just Ryan Reynolds in every single but film he, yeah. he does. But instead of like, with Robert Downey Jr., he brings that kind of charm to it. You know, you can't help but smile. He's like the class clown that you can't help but laugh mm. at. Whereas he's, uh, Hal Jordan is just an arsehole in that film, yeah. and you're just like, I, you know, I'd, you know, I'd quite happily see you die yeah. at the end of this <laughs> well, film. Someone once said, like, the difference I think at the end of every Ryan Reynolds film, which is like all the rom-coms. I hope you just die. Very cheers. But like, like someone once said, like, the difference between Marvel and DC is tone. Yeah, and it's how. One of them gets it, one of them completely doesn't. Like Marvel, every film, the tone is right. Mm. Every film, you know, like ever since Iron Man 2008 when Kim Feige took over, like every tone is right. Because I remember Stan Lee said the reason why he invented Tony Stark is that he wanted to create characters so horrible and so much you want to hate him, but you end up liking him. That's right, yeah. And that's what you get with Tony Stark and what, what you get with Robert Downey Jr. But like, how Jordan, like, I don't give a crap if you die. I actively want you to die. Yeah. I want Peter Sarsgaard to live. I want you to die. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're uh, on the All Web podcast. But anyway, yeah, that, that, that's, that's how you... But I agree. We're it, pro Sarsgaard. I, I, I like those little nods, and, and, I, and I like it because I think blockbusters tend to get mugged by people saying, oh, they're brain dead and you don't need to think during them. You just plug yourself in and kind of that's it. But I do like it, especially in like the Marvel films and everything. I know we keep going back to superheroes, but you know, like in the Iron Man when you saw um, Captain America's shield and things like that, and you said then in Rise of the Planet of the Apes where it nods back. I mean, they did uh, miss a trick in Rise of the Planet of the Apes with Brian Cox singing uh, that song from The Simpsons. Uh, Planet of the Apes musical. Oh, I'd God, love to yeah, sing. Yeah. I hate every chimpanzee. No, yeah. was it Ape? Ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. I'd love to have seen that in there. That would have been brilliant. But yeah, uh, it's and a I, deleted scene. Yeah. From, from what I hear, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes only goes on to do. Just, um, yeah. But uh, I think we bashed the Green Lantern way a lot. Yes, we mentioned oh, yeah. earlier the Postman. <laughs> Yeah, um, of course. Or the yeah, postman. And, uh, hang on. This Callum is the reason why I put himself notes. through forty-seven Ronin as well. Didn't oh, you? and of course, forty-seven Ronin. Should yeah, we do like... that? No, tell us more about forty-seven Ronin. Forty-seven first, Ronin, more. boy. What can't I tell you about forty-seven Ronin? That it was good. Right, that's it, boys. You later. Thanks. Man, it came I'll be out. Here all week. Dippy waitress. <laughs> Literally New Year's Eve. Uh, uh, was it? No, it was. It was Christmas Day in yeah, America. They it, 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 was, back. it was one of this year's Christmas Day releases. And, uh, what did it go up against? You know, it was on Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus Christ and the greatest story <laughs> yeah, ever that, told. That'll do you. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it had was, much uh, opposition. Wolf of Wall Street. In yeah. America, it would have been more for Walter. Uh, yeah. But in this oh, country. Yes, uh, Walter Mitty. Oh, Walter Mitty. Yeah, Walter Mitty. The big ish one. Although it didn't make it didn't that, do that much well either. in the end. But um, yeah, so 47 Ronin is uh, Keanu Reeves, is a samurai 
It's it's like a Japanese co-production, isn't it? And, and is it like one of those well, really reductive ones? It's based on yes, it's on an actual well, it's Japanese a legend, and it, which is uh, sorry, Keanu Reeves isn't in... the Japanese legend in it, though, is he? No, no. he's a completely new character. Oh, this oh, this is the yeah. um, he's. <laughs> he's half or a quarter Japanese in it. Uh, he's meant to be. Uh, no, he's one sixteenth. That's the Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> the, the Johnny Johnny that's the line. That's the, the death rule. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a Japanese legend. It, there, were, there were historically forty-seven Ronin who went out and. Yeah. Um, so it's the Japanese three hundred. Yeah. 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 They went out and they they avenged. This the, is Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> What was that? That one slide. Yeah. Well, I'm one sixteenth. <laughs> oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they go off and they they avenge the the dishonourable death of their master, mm. and, and it's 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 a well known. It's it's essentially Japanese. It's, it's Japan's King Arthur, as much yeah. as I gather, anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and, and Keanu Reeves and, and Hollywood well, came along and, and sort of bastardized yeah, well, it. Somewhere. Keanu Reeves wanted to always make it. He put everything behind it. But as soon as Universal saw the first draft, they were like. Oh dear, <laughs> and they couldn't afford any more because they Keanu paid Reeves almost. Reeves is in this. <laughs> I can't remember how much they paid, but they paid 150 million. And like, if, the initial the didn't actually make. No, no, no. The initial, oh, no. The initial release was actually 2012. That was, that's when they had it marked, and that's the same thing that's happening with Jeff Bridges' one, The Seventh Son. Now that's supposed to come out early 2013. It's not coming out till now till 2015 because like it's so bad. And I think, and like, I remember the posters, you know, the posters they all had, like, um, the guy with tattoos on his skull and all that. And he's in it for 30 seconds. Brilliant. And he's like one of the lead uh, banner posters they have for it. Yeah. And it's where you can clearly see a studio realises what's gone, this this has gone terribly wrong. Mm. Like, this is a disaster. And they're doing anything they can. But then people get into the film and it's terrible. You know, it's like the guy's only in it for 30 seconds. And I think it goes back literally again. The idea of word of mouth. That's what makes... Like, once you've got a good blockbuster, you've got all the core foundations made and all that, the thing that makes you a, a successful blockbuster is just whether people like talking about you. Yeah. Mm. Although, I have to say, in 47 Ronin's defence, I enjoyed elements of it. I haven't seen it, so I defer to Mr Baker. Well, yeah, some of it was all right, wasn't it? It's just, you don't... It cost them... Two hundred and twenty-five million. The only other two films that it cost, cost how much? Two hundred twenty-five million dollars. Um, the only two films that cost that amount in twenty thirteen were Man of Steel and Desolation of Smaug. That's awful. And those are two hundred twenty-five million dollar film. Uh, well, ideas. Yeah. You're gonna make back two hundred twenty-five yeah, million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Times three, which they did obviously. And what, uh, yeah, I think what Man of Steel yes, made was seven hundred million. I don't know about pumping that much the income of a small Japanese town yeah. into the yeah. film so, so, so Man of Steel I think made 700 million at the worldwide box office yeah. um, Desolation of Smaug made didn't it? N- just under I think 950 something like that so what did uh, and Peter Jackson put an extra bit in <laughs> yeah, exactly. just so he could make another one 47 Ronin made back the budget of Frozen which was 150 million wow that's, that's huge. A huge loss bloody hell yeah. I mean, honestly, no. Looks one... nice though. So when it goes wrong, as we say, when it goes wrong, it, it goes, goes really wrong, really yeah. wrong, really, really but wrong. It's just the thing. Like, Keanu Reeves will never make another film again. <laughs> it was just I... that thing where you were saying he's like, banned from Japan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for tourism damage. <laughs> this was for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I just want to, before Dave finishes his point, I do just want to very briefly point out that also uh, released last year was the Wolverine. 
which is also that also relies heavily on the fact that it's set in Japan and all that, like all of the marketing. Mm. Um, actually, that was personally the reason why I didn't want to go see it initially was because like this just looks like a terrible samurai movie. Yeah. It looks I'm like on the buses this. in yeah. Magaluf. But at the end of the day, Wolverine is Wolverine made back 414 yeah. mil. Yeah. And I think there's wow. a part where you just have to have like a reliable brand. I know it's like very cynical, but I think blockbusters like. But blockbusters are cynical filmmaking, aren't they? I That's think they are really, to a point. I think. I think I th- you have to. I think so long as you have. I guess you work within your framework. You know that you have this brand and you know you have that. And then I think you have, like, I think when Gareth Edwards was made Godzilla, he said, like, when he was comparing monsters to Godzilla, he says, there's some good parts, there's some bad parts, and they basically switch depending on, you know. So, like, he says you have to work under this cloud of production control. You have yeah. what you would do, you know, like you say, let's film the scene upside down in monsters. That's fine. In Godzilla, not a hope in hell. Yeah. And I think that that's why, like, with these big films, like you can achieve a lot more. Like Captain America Two, had no right to be as good as it was in yeah. the sense that it, it, he is the most interesting Avenger. I think that's fair. Mm. But like the, the 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 guys who did it literally just took it and made something like this sort of almost like gritty thriller, like yeah, almost like seventies like, thriller. Out yeah, there, yeah, you know, like this proper seventies paranoid thriller. And I think that's the problem with like Green Lantern in so far as they were just trying to make a franchise. And like Amazing Spider-Man 2, they were just trying to make, like Amazing Spider-Man 2 especially, like here's Spider-Man introduced, this character needs to die for the next story to happen, he needs to fight X, Y, Z, and he'll fight, you know, and then this character will come back in number three, and you'll want to see it because we've now introduced something you've read once on Wikipedia. Exactly. And, well, something we've once read on Wikipedia, you know. Mm. And that's, it's just such a weird, like, I think that's, I think I'm very, I'm very affectionate for films. Like I always say, I always, my favourite films are ones that I can see heart and soul in. Mm. And I think with some of the blockbusters, like you, are, you say, it is cynical filmmaking. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's where, I mean, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull probably went wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was ta- That was yeah. taking a beloved film, film series full of heart and soul, mm. you know, chock full of it, and then applying that cynical... Um, well, you know, that's. I think that's what happens if we, we make some more money out of this. Cyn- cyn- cynical filmmaking in blockbusters is something, unfortunately, that we're going to see an increasing, I think, because of the like emerging huge market that is China, particularly. Well, yeah. So, like, if you have a look at Transformers, the amount of money Transformers 4 has made in China, like, in the last couple of weeks, is incredible. And just talking about quickly about Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, they're really worried that it's going to flop because of China, really? because like, all of the marketing. You know, like we've seen like that quite like wacky advertising it with like the spirit in the sky. Yeah. It looks brilliant. I can't wait. But they said that the marketing in China they don't they don't subscribe to the same kind of wacky sense of no. humour. No. So because of the cultural differences, etc. So their their marketing is purely just like action, 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 generic, generic, generic. Mm. And so like if they don't if they look at that and think actually that's not going to be like Transformers or whatever, and you lose that market. So unfortunately, I, I, I really hope that... Because Guardians of the Galaxy looks like the first time they're properly taking a risk, like Marvel, with something that no one really oh, knows yeah. about, and the tone looks mental. So I just hope it does pay mm. off. But um, unfortunately, we are, we are running out of time, so is there any closing remarks people have? Any hopes, fears for all these years? Well, I think, I, think, I think you're right about cynical filmmaking. I think there is a, I think there is a point where it will be... Some, some studios will just keep producing, like... For example, Sony are quite guilty of that at the moment. Yeah. That you know, like even non-blockbusters, they released the Smurfs two, and they're going to do the Smurfs three. Despite the fact the only reason they did it is because DVD sales are so big for number two. Yeah, and I think that's always going to be a problem. But I think you've got like two 
cross you got two roads and the other road is taking sort of like the the Russo brothers kept America the like Edwards on Godzilla that kind of way where you, you work within your framework you know the limitations you have that you have to make a brand sellable you have to make big money yeah. but then it's what you do with it like you've put your own twist on it and that makes it like like with um, when Rupert Wyatt did Rise of Planet of the Apes mm. they were like reboot this franchise we want a franchise and so he's like okay I'll tell you a human story basically and it's like ma amazing because now it worked and now we've got Dawn which looks set to cause even greater success mm. so I think it's, it's literally two roads is what it's going to be yeah we'd like to dedicate this podcast to the memory of Edgar Wright I think oh. as well <laughs> anyway Dave you've got a wonderful oh, quote yeah. that's going to sum, sum everything yeah, up it's from, um, it's from William Goldman who did he write The Princess Bride uh, Princess Bride and All the President's Men would probably be his biggest wouldn't they yeah because he basically like he was I think someone asked him like how he thought this was going to you know how do you judge success and he basically said nobody knows anything not one person in the entire motion picture field knows for a certainty what's going to work every time out it's a guess and if you're lucky an educated one so, housekeeping, we haven't got a jingle for that, Dan, have we? No, thank, right. thank uh, God. Thank Christ, yeah. It's the end. I'm, I hope people have enjoyed this. I've hugely enjoyed this. I do love these little specials that we do. Mm. We'll have to uh, look to making some more again soon. Uh, if you have any kind of uh, complaints or queries about what we've spoken about, then do email us, because we want to hear from you. We're at uh, one room with a view show at gmail.com. So any kind of comments, questions, anything, send it there. Fortunately, Dan, I don't have to kind of, you know, bleed from the nose and ears today in terms of uh, what's going on at our kind of mother and father kind of rolled into one family site because we have our wonderful boss. Yes. Sat right Edward in front Dave of us. Is here. The boss is here. To guide us. To spin those plates and make it all look glamorous. The, the Kevin Fuge of, uh, of the One Room brand. Yes. So, Dave. What's going on? What's going on on the site? Well, uh, we've got a lot of new writers coming in, so that means we've got a lot of new features to check out. So, yep. first thing, we've got uh, a new feature called Scene Stealers, which is by Connor, and it's the idea where we look at actors who basically turn up for no more than 10 minutes and then basically steal the entire film. So yeah. the first one, we've gone for the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, Punch Drunk Love. I mean, it's awesome. Because, you know, the whole speech, you know, shut up, shut the fuck. Um, and then after that, we've got a new one from Maddie Joint, which is about Maybe Land, which is quite an interesting take because it's basically looking at the futures that films create. So, for example, you know, like... What would, what would the future of Blade Runner be like to live in? Like, yeah. So basically, what would it be like to live in that reality? The first one we've gone for is Her, mm. and then I believe the next one is more dystopian, with Children of Men. Oh, brilliant. So lots, lots of new features, lots of new talent coming in. And then after that, we've got a competition. Uh, the Lego Movie. So. That's on at the moment, isn't it? We yeah. can enter that right yeah, now. Yeah, that's literally, if you go to the website, uh, oneroomtheview.com, you can look you can just simply enter the competition. Nice and easy question, obviously. Yeah. Um, and literally, you can have a chance of winning the Lego Movie on DVD. And that can be with you for free of charge, Dan. I know. I mean, it's. A, I mean, that's spectacular. And we, we reviewed it actually. Everyone, anyone who listens to this knows how much we love yeah, the Lego Movie. Yeah, I think movie. I think we reviewed it. So if you haven't heard, go back and listen. That's all on on iTunes. Is there any? Yeah. Uh, have you got anything you want to sell? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Washing machine, two hundred quid or nearest offer. Oh, oh, let me think. Let me think. Um, no, I got rid of that. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. No, that puppy's dead. Oh, God. <laughs> You're quite the scene stealer. Yeah, Dan's now trying to cut airwaves as well. Uh, I think that's it, though, Dan. You can't have him back. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's, Callum's the reason Dave's had to employ a lawyer for the site. <laughs> yes, the legal, yes. legal <laughs> fees are through the roof. Um, and with that... 
with that, are, are we <laughs> done? Are we done, yeah. Dan? Remember to follow the blog. Yes, follow the blog, oneroomwithaview.com. Uh, Twitter is at oneroomwithaview, uh, numerical one. Uh, and Facebook is just one room with a view, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And what are your two Twitter handles? We can You can follow these two gentlemen. And like I, that. I implore that you do. Yes, absolutely. Because yes, I don't tweet from it at all. No. Uh, <laughs> mine is... But he will follow you back. <laughs> I'll follow you back, but I won't... Yeah, I'll just stalk you. Um, <laughs> it. It's mine's at davidbreak9090. Mine is at Callum, B-K-R, which I can spell for you. C-A-L-U-M-B-K-R. And Dan... Well, I'm at Mr. Orton. Who are you? <laughs> Where am I? What's going on? You live here. Um, at Mr. Orton. Mr. M I S T E R. And I'm at the Preston Knight. I refuse to spell that for you. So, there's a silent K at the start, isn't there? Yeah, and it said Z3. Batman signal. Yeah, you'll find me. And on that note, Dan. Cheerio. You're listening to the One Room with a View show. With Christopher Preston and Dan Orton.